Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. Brief introduction before we get to our main episode. This was recorded at 16 Lots Brewery in Newport, Kentucky. So there's there's a little bit more background noise than usual, but we thought it was a little bit of a special event. We hope you like it. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. And we are here today, live on location uh, with Mary Claire Pete. Am I getting the pronunciation right? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Rhymes with feet. That's, that, that, that's one that we should get. That's one that we should get. You were bullied a lot and <laughs> as a child as, oh, you rhyme with feet. Mary Claire feet is what they... <laughs> I never got that. Never, okay. No, that's okay. <laughs> if that's the thing you get, I, somebody gets bullied that's over, I'm bad. like, I'm doing okay if that was the case. But uh, this two firsts for us. One, it's our first live guest and it's our first live time together. I instead of doing it via Zoom. We're not on Zoom, we are at an actual brewery in front of each other. So if you watch on YouTube, you can actually see all three of us sitting right beside each other, probably yep. not looking at the camera. We're all gonna just look at each other. <laughs> We're not gonna look at, this is gonna be the worst YouTube video ever. They're gonna watch yeah. people looking at each other. Charlotte will make it magic, so. And uh, we like to, our listeners know, we like to start every episode by what are you drinking? Yep, we should start with our guest first. Yeah. I'm drinking a Diet Coke. <laughs> very, that's very fine. fancy. It is the afternoon, so that is that is understandable. Jadrian, which one do you have? Uh, so I'm going first. So we're Matt and I are, we'll say we're splitting a flight, but we're not. We're just, we have half pours. Yeah. Uh, so I have a Brother Hubbard Berliner Weiss. So I went with my favorite sour beer of choice. Perfect. I went with the Soap City IPA. Mm-hmm. Once again, 16 Lots Brewery. They were kind enough to let us come here, so, you know. Hey, other than that, they're not really sponsoring us. <laughs> we'll tag them in some Yeah, stuff. yeah, but here we go. Cheers. Cheers. I hope that clink worked out. Like, Charlotte will be able to take that clink and make that, like, the opening. We'll just put, we can put that on all the future Zoom ones. We'll just the add clink. this little clink noise. That could be good. That could be good. So, we are at the start of the Jet Set Conference. That's why we're all here. Uh, Jadrian, are you both on the board? We are. We're both directors so, yes. of... The Journal of Economics Teaching. So Mary Claire, why don't we let you explain Jet Set and what this is <laughs> and a little bit about the Journal of Economics Teaching. Wonderful. Well, uh, before I begin, I have to say that my views are my <laughs> views alone and not those of the Federal Reserve, Ford, or Bank. Um, so with that, the Jet Set Conference, Journal of Economics Teaching Conference, happens once a year. And um, it's what we like to say, it's a different conference and, um, oh sorry, and it, it's a different conference in that um, it's really, it's a small intimate crowd of passionate economics educators from the high school and collegiate space teaching things that you can do and deploy in your classroom tomorrow. I think that's Anything good. No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it's a bunch of econ nerds who all come together <laughs> to talk about economics we try to talk about other things, and then like we fail. Seven minutes later, we're talking about something we're doing in class. So yeah, that's what sounds like our podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we we have about eight minutes of beer talk, and then it turns into let's talk about economics. So we probably should introduce Mary Claire yeah. since she had to give her Fed speech. Uh, we should <laughs> right. probably say where she's from. Putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, as as people might have guessed, Mary Claire Pete is senior economic education specialist at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Uh, do you know your bio by heart that I'm reading? Could you just read them? Uh, <laughs> where she develops economics content, including lessons, online learning modules, videos, and interactives. 
prior to joining the Federal Reserve, uh, she was the director of curriculum at Marginal Revolution University at George Mason University and has held several other education-related roles. Um, we got to meet when she came to the Susquehanna University campus. I believe it was talking to teachers that That's day. Right. Uh, yep. Part of, we have a center for economics education. Jadrian's also mm -hmm. talked there uh, as well. And thrilled that you're here. So what we thought with these is there's a couple big, broad questions we were curious about. Uh, one is very specific to your role, and one is a little, why don't we do the specific to the role? Okay. So <laughs> we also might change our minds and ask you yeah. other questions. So, so you okay. are at the, there's no script. <laughs> you are at, you know, we're academic economists, and I think most of our listeners understand what an academic economist does, right? Go in, teach, research, there's some service. You're at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, yeah. and what... Uh, I want to know a little bit about what your role is, why that route, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, a little bit about the route and the decision to be at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, I will try to be succinct rather than you know <laughs> telling my whole journey of what I got to be there. But um, you know, really, I have always been so passionate about education just in general, and so that's how I, you know, when I was in my youth. I just cared about education, educating. Uh, I thought it was so important, and it was so important to my sort of development, etc. But uh, today is International Beer Day. That's the that's, that's <laughs> the reason to in. interrupt. I had this to. I, I was not trying to interrupt. But it's, it's International Beer Day. This just in. All right. So, um, so I've always been really passionate about education, and it was so important to my own life um, that I wanted to share that with others. And so I did Teach for America. And um, and so taught there before going on. So, but basically, it was fell in love with education first, and then when I went to college, I fell in love with economics. Um, and so, basically, my career has been sort of ping ponging between those two. And it wasn't until my role at MRU that I realized, hey, you know what? Actually, I could just combine these two into an economics education role. And so at that point, that's, I mean, honestly, it was when I started to seriously consider doing something in that space. And it just, the MRU position opened up, you know. I mean, honestly, I was work, I was getting my PhD with, um, and was taking a class with Tyler Cowen, who is the founder of MRU. Yep. And um, I remember speaking to him and he sort of was asking me what I wanted to do. And I sort of said, uh, I want to work for MRU. <laughs> and, uh, so anyways, that's how it started, and I've been in economic education ever since. And so now my current role um, at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis is just wonderful in the sense that um, all, well, many of the banks have an economic education or personal finance mission to educate the, the populace, and so um, they just create a wealth of materials um, they're they're uh, doing tons of outreach, etc. And so, what's so wonderful about it with the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank is we're sort of co-located with Fred. If you're familiar with um, the Fred Graphs, and so that that team and a wealth of knowledge there, and then the research division um, at the Federal Reserve Bank. So um, they review some of the materials that we produce, etc. So, anyways, it's just a great place to work. Fantastic, fantastic. The, so MRU is 
affiliated with George Mason, but it's not really George. Is it, or is it more a little bit more private? Uh, no, no, no. It's a nonprofit. It's a non. Okay, it's a nonprofit. Was there a big shift going from a nonprofit at MRU to going to the federal government? I mean, because you are literally now a federal government employee. Is that correct? <laughs> the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis is a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit. Yes, the okay. banks are nonprofits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Federal Reserve Board, I believe, is government. Okay. I'm, huh. I learned something new today. I did not know that. So. Uh, Interesting. I. Okay. But you are still. So you're not a government employee. Not a government employee. Okay. Is is all of the ba- wait? I have but so many questions now. I have I have like follow questions. Okay, interesting. That's I'm gonna have to look more into this. I think I'm gonna have to learn more. I just assumed it was all connected, but now that I think about it, I don't like if my students go work as like an RA or something. They, it's a very different like application process, background process, mm. like compared to if I have a student who goes and does like Department of Homeland Security or right. goes and works at the Treasury and stuff. Right. Interesting. I'm just hoping I didn't tell students the wrong thing <laughs> Even the past for 15 years. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, that's, so, this could be an entry in our future book of lies my econ teacher told yeah, me. Yeah, that's about it. That's uh, about it. No, that's it's actually Matt, Matt, That'll be the opening chapter is Matt can say, I've been lying to my students for 15 yeah. years. I, yeah, there have been a couple others that have screwed up, so <laughs> this is probably not as big. If I mean, I all educators, you know, yeah. have made these mistakes. mistakes. Okay, okay, exactly. so speaking of all educators make mistakes, Mary Claire, then what mistake have you made <laughs> well, that, that you're willing to... This is bold. I know. <laughs> you can, it could be, not a, not when you're at the Fed, but at George Mason, have you, like, said something in class where, like, later you're like, that was wrong. I, I, I completely mean, did that sure, one wrong. Sure, all the time. I'm not, no. I mean, we're all human. And, uh, you know, somebody told me that um, the year that you, you actually learn economics is your first year teaching. Okay. Right. That's the way. That's a- I think, that's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. No, in terms of understanding yeah. the basics, you right. really get it that first year so teaching. So, I, I, I that's get, true. mine was... The first time I taught principles of micro, I was teaching uh, the international trade tariffs, graphs with the little triangles, little two. I love it. It's a great, great yes. graph. I absolutely love it. I know there's people who hate that. I love the two little dead weight loss triangle tariff things. But a student once asked me, "What? I could un- I could explain what one of the triangles means?" Um, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's people who aren't buying as much stuff because the <laughs> prices are higher." They go, "Well, what's the interpretation of that other triangle?" And I go, well, "I don't I don't know. I just." It's a dead weight loss struggle. I had no idea. I had never, I just always memorized yeah. it. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me what that other triangle means. But yeah. I am comfortable now. It is efficiency loss. By the way, those <laughs> yeah. of you yeah. listening <laughs> who are also <laughs> curious, it is falling it, along at home. It is efficiency <laughs> loss from having a more expensive yeah. producer produce the item rather than a cheap overseas producer. I, I, so, when I, Speak, biggest screw up in terms of like I had to go back and tell the students I screwed up. <laughs> I was a TA yeah. and I went through an example and I just I just screwed it up. Yeah. I mean I, I completely gave the wrong answer and I had no idea where I was and I had to go back and solve it on my own and come back and I know. the professor was really laid back. He goes, Oh, yeah, you'll go in and eat a little crow, it's no biggie and he <laughs> laughed about it and I'm like, Okay, that's that's the better attitude. I'd rather yeah. have them yeah. have that attitude than um, than otherwise. So, yeah. So the other question, and this we is have a nice tie-in, though. This is a nice tie-in, right? In okay. terms of the, the, ne- the, the next favorite. question. Yeah. 
And we have both done episodes actually on this, so we're excited. Part of what we're doing today in meeting with people is asking, what is your favorite economics topic to teach? Yeah, so it's interesting because I, I thought about this um, for a while because, you know, I think there's a lot of classic answers, you know, the classics, incentives, or marginal thinking, or something. Our, our peanut gallery is listening because they have to come up with a different answer. So you have the perk of giving the first answer. Well, so I thought I was going, I'm going to, I'm going to zig, you know, I'm going to zag. Um, Supply and demand. It's going to be something like real basic, right? No, so okay. uh, I love monopolistic competitions. That's a very, very cool. (laughs) I love that topic. Um, And the reason it's sort of, um, maybe it's, I don't know if it's selfish or I don't know what what the word is exactly, but, you know, when I was learning economics as an undergrad, we learned perfect competition. We learned, you know, oh, let's use the example. Let's use the novel example of gas. (laughs) Ooh. Or maybe we'll use a widget. And, um, and so you're memorizing perfect competition graphs, et cetera, and then, um, and it's completely divorced <laughs> from the world you live and breathe in, and you're walking around in. And it, it, not to say, there are obviously goods and services that approximate that. I'm not trying to belittle it, and it's very important, and we understand why we teach it. But uh, then suddenly stumbling upon monopolistic competition and thinking, yeah. Oh, this is it. Okay, this is this is the well, thing. I mean, right now, we are sitting in a monopolistically competitive Correct. market, right? Correct. This is a brewery. There's a whole bunch of them within right. a 10-minute walk of where we're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. But this one's a little bit different. And, yeah. you know, they allowed us they to let, they let us work. They let us work. <laughs> yeah. Which we love. That's, that's 16 <laughs> Lots Brewery in Cincinnati. <laughs> yes. That's, actually, technically, it's Newport. Newport. We're actually Newport. in Kentucky's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm glad you said that. That's actually, my, I have the exact same experience. That's how I fell in love with economics, was taking principles. You go through perfect competition, and the instructor says, yeah, you, there's not a lot of these that are real. Yeah. And then you do monopoly, and you're like, there's not a lot of these that are real. <laughs> exactly. And then they do monopolistic competition. And like the way that they presented it to us was, is there something, and this is the way I teach it to my students, is there something in your hometown, some industry that you seem year over year, there's some of these that open and then some of them that close. There's a new restaurant that goes in and then a year later it closes. And a gas station goes in and a gas station closes. And I was sitting there going, holy crap, that's my hometown. We were like a commuter suitcase town that had tons of fast food, tons of banks, and tons of gas stations. Because it was just people going to work in the other city. And it always, I was always so confused as a, as a, as like a student in high school and middle school because I was like, why do we have another bank? Why do we have another gas station? <laughs> and like that other one, that bank just closed. Why is there another? Like yeah. I was seeing it, but I had no explanation for it until the monopolistic yeah. competition chapter. Mm. And they're like, it's just that demand curve sort of moving yeah. around the cost curve of entering and exiting. And I think, I guess, taking half a step back, I'm guessing many of our listeners will know what this is, mm. but uh, a monopoly, I think everybody knows a monopoly. There's one firm. They control everything. Perfect competition mm-hmm. has some pretty unrealistic assumptions. So <laughs> right. you were laughing They have about, a right? few. There's, uh, most of them are unrealistic. So every seller is perfectly identical. There's perfect information. Uh, and there are many sellers. Mm-hmm. So that and many nobody, buyers. Many nobody, buyers. And many buyers. And so nobody has a big market share at all. No transaction costs. No transaction costs. Like. Um, and monopolistic competition... 
there are, there's, e oh, the other thing, easy entry and exit into the market. Yeah. Monopolistic competition, that holds. Easy entry and exit into the market. Right. Uh, and there are many small sellers, right. but the products now are differentiated. Right. And just like this has a different ambiance, this is, I think, their crafted beer, which is pretty delicious. So um, Diet Coke, I'm sure, is just as good, too. Yeah, Matt does love Diet Coke, so that might be a later one. I've had Diet Coke. So uh, I use, actually, when I teach monopolistic competition, I go through the boring, like, I, I think, I, I enjoy teaching market structures, but I go through sort of the more boring one. And then it flips over when I'm now starting monopolistic competition. And I have this graph that has five pictures of chicken nuggets on it, but without the brand names on it. Um, and I and they, they kind of stare at it for a second and I go, I'm gonna show you something really gross. Most of you in here can identify these chicken nuggets <laughs> without a brand wow. on it. And immediately, like somebody will raise That's their great. hand, they're like, A is Chick-fil-A, B is McDonald's, C is Burger King. I'm like, I want you to really think of how weird that is that you can recognize a chicken nugget without its labeling. And I go, that's monopolistic competition. Like, that's, that's a great, that's a great right, example. They're differentiated really and yeah. you know it. I go, they're all chicken nuggets. I go, two chapters ago, it's just chicken nuggets. Yep. All sellers of chicken, you shouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, but right. they get a kick out of it. Because the one that's hard for is the Sonic chicken nuggets. They don't know what those look like. So there's always one chicken nugget I put up <laughs> I there that they, I, I don't know what they It's a tractor. Yeah. yeah, like a spoiler. They guess a lot. Good. And I'm like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> So one thing we also do, and then on every pod, uh, every one of these, uh, and I, I'm happy to start, or I know uh, Jadrian can start too, I'd love to start on this one because your okay. topic makes me smile, <laughs> is we try to, what is a pop culture reference? And it doesn't have to tie in to monopolistic competition by any means. If it does, there's okay. bonus points. I get bonus points too. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've got one from, I've got the one um, I use, so it's, but I'm ready. So if you have one and you're like, I want to be first, mm. I don't want to deprive you of being no. first. Okay. No, please. Um, so it was it, oh, one week ago today, actually, yes. on my YouTube channel, I put an episode. I'm in, a, I'm in the middle of, by the time this comes out, it's probably over. Uh, but they're there. Uh, economic lessons from the TV show Cheaters. <laughs> and so last week, it was discussing monopolistic competition and Cheers versus the big competitor, their big rival, which was Gary's Old Town Tavern. Mm -hmm. And it was discussing how they're different. And, Cheers has Mayday Malone, who's a Red Sox pitcher, which would be a re which would be part of how that is differentiated. Yes, for sure. And you know the locations itself are different. One might be closer. The ambiance, all of the little things that make mm -hmm. the bar different. And of course, these bars were huge rivals against each other. But that's part of the TV show. So you mentioning that, and I just think it's kind of fun that a Cheers. Mm -hmm. Great. Had had something that was a pretty nice example of a monopolistically competitive firm. Yes. Do you have your idea? No. You want me to go? <laughs> She's like buying no. time. She's like, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be monopolistic competition. Okay. By any you can share whatever you want with our audience of yeah. dozens. Uh, <laughs> Until this becomes famous and people it, people start listening to the old ones. Yeah, I think okay. we can now say hundreds. We're over three hundred on Substack. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So and Dude, now you're making now you're making her nervous. And we're really popular in Indonesia. So thank shout out to every Indonesian who listens. This is awesome. So, so mine is also food related, TV related. It's from the TV show Superior Donuts. Have you ever seen that? I don't think it was on TV for very long. It was uh, is essentially the story of. Uh, a guy who owned a donut shop in Chicago. Like, that's the whole shtick, at least from the episodes I watched. Um, but there's one scene that I show in class. It's a rundown donut shop. He's struggling to make it. Rents are going up. Neighborhood's gentrifying. 
uh, a woman comes in, orders a donut. She's like, oh, I'm new here. This is great. I love it. And they're like, yeah, this is a great place. Like, we have people who, like, the quitters from Weight Watchers are here and the people buying drugs down the street. Like, they, so they talk about all these different people who are buying uh, donuts. And she goes, oh, great. I'll see you around. And then, it, like, the montage sort of happens. And she rolls up in a food truck and parks right in front of uh, right in That's front of great. the donut shop and he comes out running and he's like you can't park here what are you doing That's great. and she goes oh you're right and she puts her little quarter in she goes now I can park here <laughs> and he's like you, you're, you're taking my business and so she has a food truck that sells like health food and stuff she goes we're not in the same business you're catering to people who have low self esteem I'm catering to people who like care about their health um, they're two different people and so like they're fighting over the market and she's like you said this was a great location um, but I love to do it because I, I talk about right there they're attracting different markets I really like food trucks for easy entry sure. and exit where sure. I'm like look she can literally drive up if it's not good she can drive away uh, so I usually use that like food trucks as like the extreme example of monopolistic competition because it hits the easy entry exit yeah. versus like a store you have to shut it down and stuff like that that's fine so yeah now's the part in the conversation where you know Three hours from now, I'm going to come up with a great example of monopolistic competition pop yep. culture, but I do have a pop culture reference. You can come Perfect. back. You can leave a comment on the Substack. Make sure you, you could <laughs> yes. save it for two weeks. If you come up with one in three hours, save it for two weeks. But uh, so, um, Barbie's in the air. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we at, um, at the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank actually created I think I saw this. several yeah. years ago, actually, before, before it was cool. Um, a lesson plan on women's labor force participation and how it sort of tracks Barbie's occupations oh, over time. So when, like, you know, Barbie debuts as a vet, does is this a leading or lagging, lagging indicator of women's force participation? Yeah. You know, and how, yeah. but it, it really sort of tracks that progression of okay, you know, women were primarily teachers and nurses, and then suddenly we start to um, enter into other professions and that's really cool. numbers. That's very cool. I saw yeah. the tweet about Barbie, but I assumed it was about the Barbie movie, so I didn't open it. I was yeah. like, I don't need to see more stuff about this. Now I'm going to have to go back and actually look at this. Have yes. you both seen the Barbie movie? No, not yet. No. Not yet. It's, not yet. it's really got some funny moments. It's okay. I mean, there are some Did you do Barbenheimer? Did you do both? Uh, we did not do both, um, but my kids made me dress up as Ken. Okay. Which... <laughs> really? Which Brian O'Rourke is... Laughing at that. Well, I mean, it's as much as I could with my my. Do you have a pink polo and a? Um, they made me. I had like pink shorts. There's pictures of this, which like means it, evidence. There's, there needs to be pictures much. on it's this. A pink short, and then it's a it's a shirt with a like a white shirt underneath, okay. and then the unbuttoned shirt look. That's that was great. that was my kid saying that was that was as close to Ken as I was gonna get. <laughs> um, that's but great. The picture's somewhere. It may or may not go on the video. I'm not sure. I might have. I might have to look at how embarrassing that photo is before it goes. Up. It would incentivize people to start watching the YouTube version of our. That, our that show would. Set. That would. That would. So. Well. Really quickly, actually, I can ask you both. Uh, when did Barbie debut as a vet veterinarian? When did Barbie debut as a veterinarian? Yes. Um, I will guess 1984. No, it's got to be earlier. I'm going to go 72. 85. Oh, wow. You were okay. really They're close. Spot on. Without going over. Without going over. <laughs> Price is right rules. Yeah. Um, 
Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. She's not seem as progressive as I thought. I thought it's going to be. Well, she started in like 58 or 59. Yeah. 59. Right? Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah. It was in that era. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was around then. So I was just thinking. It's 25 years after. I figured I, I would not was vet. That wasn't the first profession. No, no, no. no, no. So, so I'll give you a I'll give you a follow up pop culture one. Is actually I use. I don't know if you've seen this on Netflix. It's called the Toys Who Made Us. I think oh, is what no. it's called. Okay. It's a Netflix series. They did like three seasons. Each episode's a different toy. One of the episodes is about Barbie. Mm-hmm. I actually use a clip from that episode in my principal's class to teach um, two part tariffs. In the pricing strategies, oh, so it talks about how right the the doll is the fixed component, yes. and then they made a ton yep. of money by selling clothes, and they even talk about like the razor razor blade model, <laughs> um, and that's how Barbie became like just so profitable was because they split up the clothes from the doll and um, able to make extra Very money cool. that way. Very cool. Very interesting. Well, thank you for joining us. This is our experiment with uh, live recording and guests. Uh, appreciate you won't it. be the last one, so <laughs> yeah, that yeah. helps, right? Like, yes. Any any closing words of wisdom you'd like to leave the audience? No, I just want to say thank you for inviting me. I had a great time, and I will be checking out your pop culture examples. So. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. And, right. well, cheer, cheers, cheers our empty glass. Cheers. You get a refill now. It's a good beer. <laughs> Obviously, it's empty. So it's well, we had a half one. pour, so I think, that is true. I think the half that pour helped. Thank you for everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Mary Claire. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.